0: Well, 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 welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell, and I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball Halloween Sportacular Ooh. an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special, spectacular episode for you today, don't we, Scott?
1: <sniffs> Hell yes, we do. Ooh. Ha. Oh, ho, ho, ho. All
0: right, well. <laughs> we got our scoreboard stumper. We've got a Frankenstein of the week. We've got bobbing for assholes. Some campfire stories. Torture chamber will send you on your merry little treat of an ass. Treat Wait. of an ass. Treat of an ass. <laughs> so hit me baby, one more time
1: with that spooky scoreboard stumper. Here's the scareboard stumper. Please. All right, the national sport of Afghanistan is buskashi. Of course. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it's similar to horse polo, except for they do not use a ball, Uh, like horse croquet, um, a.k.a. polo. And um, I want to know what they use. Do they use a sack of dirty socks, a sack of oranges, or a goat carcass? I accidentally guessed it off
0: air, so we'll let yeah. you all simmer on that. Marinate, we'll you know, the, do some soaking. We'll let you brew on that. which we'll is <laughs> just brew on that. We'll get back to it later. Moving on to our Frankenstein of the week.
1: Abby Normal. I'm almost sure that was the name.
0: <laughs> Are you saying that I put... An abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch wide gorilla. Is that what you're telling me? Each week we recognize a franchise transaction in which a team tries to attach an abnormal appendage in an effort to reanimate a lifeless team. This week's Frankenstein of the Week. Is Joe Flacco he was traded from the Eagles to the Jets due to Zach Wilson's injury Zach Wilson is only out two to four weeks uh, Flacco won't start this weekend because he's still adjusting to the new team and the one in five Jets are giving up a six-round draft pick I guess they think they need Joe Flacco they got to give up a six-round draft pick to stay relevant with yeah, that one in five record. They're not
1: giving up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like it's just like a desperate move to like, look like you're still trying to get wins. It's like, even the owner has to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> a six round pick at this point? You need every six round pick you can get Yeah, draft picks are, you know, and when you're, yeah, when
0: you're on, on pace for the, uh, first pick in the draft, your sixth round draft pick is actually just a late fifth-round draft
1: pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. And, I mean, of course, I will say this forever, but you know, we all know Joe Flacco is the future. But, yeah. yeah we, I remind people that you said that on yeah. this date in um, sports ball history last year. In sportacular history as well. Yeah. yeah. Sportacular. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a garbage move to me. All right.
0: Joe Placco, uh, Frankenstein of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to bobbing for assholes. Our first asshole is Patrick Beverly.
1: So the Pelicans and the T-Wolves were playing the other night. Uh, Patrick Beverly plays for the T-Wolves. Um, Jonas Valenzuinas was heading to the line for the Pelicans, and as he was lining up to take free throws, Patrick Beverly put his like feet... And body like on side by side with Jonas, <laughs> like ch- attempting to block, box him out while he's trying to shoot free throws. So the dude elbowed him off of him, and then Beverly acted like a flippant asshole. <laughs> and, and then there were double technicals. It was so unnecessary. The dude is just a pest. And, and they say, like, he's one of those, like, well, you love him when he's on your team, but you hate him when he's not. Like, that fuck you. He's still a pest.
0: <laughs> Bobbing for assholes.
1: Yes. Also,
0: bombing for assholes is everyone in the state of Texas, apparently. You got more on that, Scotty?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, today, uh, Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott signed into law that no transgender athletes are allowed to participate in school, sp- school sports. Woof. Absolutely. Like, um, come on. Really? <laughs> we need really with Seth and Amy for this one. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes.
0: Alright, body for assholes. Um now we've got some campfire stories for you. Um, as per as tradition. First campfire
1: story is about Philip Adams. Ooh. Philip Adams was born July 20, 1988 in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Adams attended Rock Hill High School, excelling in both basketball and football, and winning a state championship in both sports as well. Philip earned a scholarship to attend South Carolina State University, which produced recent stars such as Corderell Patterson and Stephon Gilmore. Adams worked hard to make it as an everyday cornerback
0: by his junior season, and in his senior season, he earned first-team All-Mid Eastern Conference honors. He posted good enough numbers at the scouting combine, but with his reduced resume, Phillips fell all the way to the 7th round at the 2010 NFL Draft. The 49ers selected him with the 224th pick. Adams appeared in 15 games in his rookie season,
1: but would break his ankle during an opening kickoff in Week 16. Phillips underwent a series of surgeries, with multiple screws being inserted into his leg. Adams would appear in just 7 games in his second year, 6 with the Patriots and 1 with the Seahawks. Adams would then spend two years in Oakland as a Raider, one year as a Jet, and he'd land in Atlanta for his final stop. Over six years, Adams appeared in 78 games, but never accounted for a high amount of tackles or interceptions. In 2016, Adams was given a workout for the Chiefs, but they passed. And the Colts came calling during training camp, but Adams never made his flight. According to his agent, quote, he made it to the Charlotte airport, but the flight had left already. I could tell his head was not in it he'd given up on it, quote. After football, Adams
0: participated in volunteer work in Rock Hill and attempted to start up a health food shop with a friend. On April 7, 2021, Adams murdered Dr. Robert Leslie and his wife Barbara, along with their two grandchildren and two local repairmen. Following a long standoff with police, Philip Adams would then take his own life. The Leslie's lived just down the road from Adams, and those close to him have no idea what prompted the horrendous event. Upon a search of Adam's belongings, police found multiple journals with cryptic writings and strange symbols and emblems. Dr. Leslie
1: had also at one point been Adam's physician. Phew.
0: Spooky one to kick things off.
1: Yeah, and it's just so its so recent. This happened in April, y'all. <laughs> like one of the witnesses saw... Uh, Phil Adams like come out of like the backyard of the Leslie's house with like two handguns, just like slowly, It's like, ugh, just creepy. Six murder. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There was grandchildren. A st- that's oh, that's yeah. the worst part of it. Yeah, like teammates were like just like confounded. They're like, I can't believe that happened. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's so recent. There's still not a lot of information out on this. so it's still kind of mind blowing on this one. Uh,
0: next spooky story is Lorenzen Wright. Lorenzen Vern Gagne Wright was born November 4th, 1975, in Oxford, Mississippi. His father, Herb, was a professional basketball player in Finland, but when Lorenzen was seven, Herb was shot in the back and paralyzed while working for the Memphis Police. Wright grew up playing basketball in Lafayette Schools in Oxford until his junior year, before moving to Memphis, Tennessee for his senior year. At Booker T. Washington High School... Wright
1: earned McDonald's All-American honors. Wright attended the University of Memphis and was a standout center for the Tigers from 1994 to 1996. In his junior season, he was named a consensus second-team All-American and first-team All-Conference USA. The Los Angeles Clippers saw the six-foot-eleven center and saw promise in the youngster. Enough promise to draft him seventh overall in the 1996 NBA draft. Wright had mediocre numbers in LA, and by 1999, He was appearing as a member of the Atlanta Hawks, and then as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies for five years. Finally, Lorenzen would spend two more years as a Hawk, one year in Sacramento as a King, and lastly, as a Cleveland Cavalier in 2009.
0: Lorenzen was beloved in the communities in which he'd spent time as a pro, founding a scholarship fund after the death of his infant daughter and providing financial assistance to Travis Butler, a Memphis orphan whose tragic story garnered national attention. It was rather odd when Wright's ex-wife, Shara, said that Lorenzen left his home the night of July 18, 2010, and was not seen or heard from again. Wright's family filed a missing persons report on July 22nd, and his body was found on July 28th
1: in a wooded area near a golf course. He'd been shot to death. Before the discovery of his body, a 911 call was placed on the night of July 19, 2010 that came from Lorenzen's cell phone. The caller was speaking with the dispatcher when 11 gunshots rang out. The dispatcher did not report the call to her supervisor until eight days later. hindering Hindering the police investigation and resulting in a payout to Wright's family. More than seven years later, the gun believed to be... More than seven years later, the gun believed to have been used to murder Wright was found in a Mississippi lake. On December 5th, 2017, Billy R. Turner, a landscaper and church deacon, was arrested on first degree murder charges. Ten days later, Shira, White, Shira Wright Robinson was arrested in California in connection with the murder. Why? Bah, bah, bah. Bah. That's crazy. Wright Robinson
0: was a former member of Turner's church, and the murder was believed to have been motivated by money specifically a $1 million life insurance policy held by Lorenzen. In 2014, Wright-Robinson agreed to a confidential settlement of a dispute in circuit court over how she spent the $1 million dollars of insurance money meant to benefit their six children. Subsequently, Wright-Robinson pleaded guilty of facilitation of first-degree murder in the shooting of her husband, Lorenzen Wright, and was sentenced
1: to 30 years in prison. Damn. Double damn. Yeah. It was crazy. I didn't really know much about the story, and still I started to write it. That's crazy because Nick knows Lorenzen Wright from his Memphis days. Right, yeah.
0: I was, I'd was. i been a fan of him for a while. It's just like he went – his Memphis teams always went head-to-head with some really good UC, University, Cincinnati teams, my college's teams, and um, some great games for the years. And he kind of became an underdog player because he was a high draft pick that um, underperformed, was underproductive, and then – once he sort of became a role player backup, he started to, his, his play actually improved and he fought his way into some starting lineup. Actually had a decently productive uh, second half of his career. Um, I made some money off him from, uh Fantasy NBA back in the day when I actually used to do it. <laughs> um, so then we've got
1: one last story and that would be that of Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Yes, that, that Aaron Hernandez. So... Aaron Joseph Hernandez was born November 6, 1989 in Bristol, Connecticut to Dennis and Terry Valentin Hernandez. Growing up, Aaron and his older brother DJ were the subject of their father's physical abuse until his untimely death when Aaron was 16. Aaron was heavily affected by Dennis's passing, and those close to him said he never worked through it. Despite his setbacks at home, Aaron became one of the best young football stars in the country. He attended Florida University and won a national championship. Then he was drafted by the Patriots and become one of the most dominant tight ends in football. But his history of legal issues ramped up until it all came crashing down. These are legal issues with Aaron Hernandez.
0: Hernandez had a number of run-ins with the law throughout his life as early as his pre-freshman days at Florida. On April 28, 2007, the 17-year-old Hernandez and teammate Tim Tebow had a couple of adult beverages at a local restaurant. Aaron refused to pay the bill, and upon being escorted out, he sucker punched the manager in the side of the head, rupturing his eardrum. Nice. The Gators stepped in and found an agreement with Hernandez escaping charges. In September of that same year, Hernandez was implicated in a double shooting in which a suspect approached a car and fired five shots. Two of the three passengers were injured, but both survived. The victims identified Hernandez
1: out of a set of photos matching the suspect's description. Mm. When police came to interview Aaron, he was asleep with his head down on the table and was the only suspect to seek legal counsel. No charges were filed, which is odd enough. At 3.45 a.m. on April 30th, 2011, police, respo- police responded to a fight front of hernandez's house in plainville massachusetts aaron's friend had been in town and earlier in the evening cops stopped the two after the car they were in was clocked at doing 120 in a 55 but let them go because aaron was in the passenger seat a similar incident a similar incident occurred two years later where hernandez's friend was drunk driving the tight end tried to get his friend out of it by saying trooper. I'm Aaron Hernandez. It's okay. His friend was still arrested for truck driving. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't work. Yeah, that time they were clocked going 105.
0: You try to (laughs) that. In 2012, Daniel Abreu and Sephiro Furtado were both killed by gunshots fired into their car. Witnesses identified Hernandez Silver SUV as the car that the rounds came from, but due to shoddy and negligent police work, On accounts of the evening that didn't match up, Hernandez was acquitted. As a New England patriot, Hernandez hired two of his friends as assistants, one of which was Alexander Bradley, Aaron's drug dealer. In 2013, Bradley and Hernandez ran up a $10,000 bill at a strip club, but Aaron became paranoid that that two men in the club were plainclothes officers who were following them after the double shooting in Boston. Later in the same trip, Bradley claims to have woken up with a gun
1: being pointed in his face by Hernandez. The next day, Hernandez made good on just that. Police found Bradley lying in a parking lot with a bullet wound between his eyes. He survived, but would permanently lose his right eye. He did not cooperate with the cops, but instead sought revenge and demanded $5 million from Aaron Hernandez for his silence. On June 13th, Bradley filed a civil lawsuit for the damages against Hernandez. The suit was withdrawn four days later, and in an eerie turn of events, Police searched the Hernandez's home on June 18th. The body of Odin Lloyd, Aaron Hernandez's brother in law, had been found with multiple gunshot wounds within a mile of Hernandez's home. Uh oh. Hernandez reassured the Patriots organization that the murder had nothing to do with him. On June
0: 26, Aaron Hernandez was arrested and charged with first degree murder as well as five gun related charges. On April 15th, 2015, Hernandez says that was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. On April 19, 2017, five days after Hernandez was fully acquitted of the double homicide in Boston, corrections officers found that Hernandez had hanged himself with bed sheets from the window in his cell. Shampoo was found covering the floor, and cardboard was wedged under the door to make it difficult to get in. He'd written John 316 on his head, and there were drawings on the walls in blood.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of us know the Aaron Hernandez story, but here's a piece of it that I always thought was interesting. The way one of the best one of the ways they tied him to the murder of Odin Lloyd was the fact that they found a, a bullet casing with gum stuck to it at the scene of Odin Lloyd's murder, and it was like being that cocky to just spit your gum out and not think about. <laughs> You spit your gum out. <laughs> yeah, I just think
0: sometimes when they get away with stuff when they're younger, they just think they're above the law, like that someone will just take care of it for them, and they don't they don't have to think about the consequences. Yeah. You never like have those first couple incidences that where you test the limits and you suffer consequences because of it, and you know, right? You just kept going, and going.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you spit, yeah spit the gum out. You're like, yep, your DNA is all over that dumbass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Those spooky stories there. Good campfire stories, yeah. Uh, next up, Scott Tedford Barnes. Hit
1: me with that scoreboard, Stumper. Answer. Well, more time. Okay. The national sport of Afghanistan is buskashi. It's like similar to horse polo. As wa- we all know. Yes. I want to. They they do not use a ball. I want to know what they use instead of a ball. Was it a sack of oranges? A balled up thing of old socks or was it a a goat carcass? Nick had already previously guessed it. It was... Goat
0: carcass. Yeah.
1: Sometimes they do it with the head on, sometimes they do it with the head cut off. So, you know, either you're a badass who gets the blood on you or I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like to mention there's like these hardcore guys that are like, they only do it the one way, the traditional way. Yeah. You know, like, what are like the really pretentious jocks? Like in that circle. That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> 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 Alright. Uh moving on to the torture chamber. Up uh, first to the torture chamber. Chicago Bears head coach, Matt Nag. Uh, yeah. Recently suffering from uh COVID. Uh now on his second quarterback, he had five years with uh, Mitch Trubisky, um, with no success, and now he's got Justin Fields. Yep, and he's um, the least productive of all the rookie quarterbacks that got drafted in the first round this year. They passed on a couple guys. Could have had Mac Jones. Um, yeah, so
1: they could have had a lot of guys. <laughs> so
0: anyway, Matt Nagy is kind of the new Adam Gase. I felt like he had, he, had, I felt like he had played his way out of. His job last year, just like they did, but apparently no, they're gonna give him another go with another quarterback.
1: Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. Like I feel like I'm pissed off as like a Cincinnati sports fan, but you gotta be more pissed off as a Bears fan, I think, at this point. Uh, but, yeah, they have such a strong defense; they
0: still win enough games that they just kind of they're just wasting Khalil Max best yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's if, a, if you line Khalil Mack up with like one of the top offenses, like a Kansas City or Seattle or. Green Bay, those teams would just dominate.
1: Yeah, Nagy took a storied franchise down to Fox River level. um, The Fox River River. Bears.
0: (laughs) Nice reference. Um, Next to the uh, torture chamber is the the Kardashian-esque Kansas
1: City Chiefs.
0: Yeah. Um, There's been a lot of TMZ uh, related drama.
1: Yeah, I mean... um, we
0: went through some of it last week And Notable Jabronis.
1: Randy Mahomes and Jackson Mahomes are just annoying as all fuck. <laughs> it's, it's the thing. You win a Super Bowl and you talk as much shit. And you talk like, oh, this year we're going to run it back. And then like next year you're like, oh, this year is the revenge tour. And, and it, it just, you're like, you know, I guess these look like the 90s cheats. They, huh? <laughs> they went out and bought a whole new offensive line and they did not. It's been bad. They became celebrities. (laughs)
0: All right. And then next to the torture chamber, um, major league baseball work stoppage, potentially December.
1: Yeah. Um, it's almost, the article said it's pretty much almost certain that there's going to be a work, work stoppage. And that affects all free agency signings that affects like the start of spring training, whenever that will be. I mean, how long did we go through it in football that one time? This is—I mean, this is also the first time in 26 years that it's possible a Baseball just is the most complicated. Be.
0: Because <laughs>
1: yeah, <clears throat> but at right now you see that player salaries are kind of going down, like max salaries are even going down. So there's a whole bunch to be discussed. It a video game. Yeah, it'll be the show's awesome. Right, uh,
0: next through the torture chamber is me. All right, lost three hundred dollars betting on the Ravens beating the Colts. We beat them, but I didn't cover the spread. I doubled down. I lost three hundred dollars. I was in Nevada, <laughs> and I lost three hundred bucks, and uh, uh, three hundred more trying to make it back. So. Oh. I am I went through the torture chamber
1: Yeah, I mean, self-inflicted torture
0: self-inflicted. chamber Self-inflicted
1: sucks um. <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd think that the Ravens would just stomp the Colts To me
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm. you know, I'm not even that big on the Ravens It was a desperate move And that's, you know You should have texted me You know <laughs> That's why I got the results I did I paid for my, um
1: uh, Thought we were friends
0: I wasn't going with my, um uh, you know I wasn't going with my best judgment on that all I could think about was the opportunity to get out of it Oh. alright don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes especially last year's Halloween Sportacular uh, labeled as the Bo Diaz episode available on iHeartRadio Spotify, Apple and more follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. you can also find us on Twitter at L sports ball. That's
1: at the letter L sports ball. Tune in next week when we induct Tracy Jones and follow us all month long for ongoing coverage of Jabroni history month. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you once again for listening to this year's Halloween
0: sportacular presented by legends of sports ball. May the sports be with you
1: always.